Welcome to Sportsnet Tonight with Elliot Price. Brought to you by Ye Old Orchard Pub. There's a lead pass. In on Bo McDavid. Scores! 3-1 Canada. Here's the one-two pitch from Martinez. Ball hit out into center field. Going back, Marquise Grissom. He's got it. Dennis Martinez has pitched a perfect game. There's a shot. the 2-1 pitch. Cordero swings. Base hit. The Expos will win. The Expos will win. Cordero with a base hit to win the ball game in the bottom of the ninth inning. The drought is over. Drink it in, Canada. World champions. And now, here's your host, Elliot Price. Just what Pittsburgh Steelers fans didn't want to hear. Quarterback Ben Roethlisberger contemplating retirement. And my goodness, hasn't he taken enough of a beating? He'll be 35 in March. He stands in there until the last moment like no other. He takes hits to make plays, and he has made some plays. But it all becomes too much. He has watched football concussion culture evolve so much during his NFL career. He knows how many of these go bad. He knows how many are now leaving the game early. Leaving the game early for Big Ben is no longer an option. But leaving the game too late certainly is. There is almost no doubt that he will feel the game in his body for the rest of his life. Will he eventually feel it in his head too? If he doesn't already, that's becoming an almost sure thing. It's also something that won't be going away. The game is hit and or be hit. When that stops, so will the appeal of football. So it's never going to stop. It will, however, start losing some of its best athletes. You've heard players in the past who opted for other sports. Newly voted on Hall of Famer Tim Raines was one. How many multi-sport athletes will football hold on to? Why would you direct your child to choose football, knowing what we know now? It was not a good year for National Football League playoff games, and it could be a lot worse in the future.
Welcome to the show. I'm Elliot Price. Grant Robinson, as I live and breathe. Boy, that must be two of the last six at least. Busy, busy man. Nice to have you with us today. Hi, Freddie. Nice job yesterday, Freddie. What's going on, Grant? How are you? I'm good, man. Leafs uh, heading into the All-Star Austin break with Matthews a playoff spot. is a beast. Austin Matthews, Mitch Marner battling it out for first. This is a problem that is good to have. Do you know what they said? They're, who, them who talking about they? Marner and Matthews. <laughs> it's them again. <laughs> well, no, Marner and Matthews. Grant, people were asking matters. if it bothered them. Oh, there they, they are. Were. It's the people. No, I'm, I'm, the them was the people yeah. I said in the sentence. Uh, Austin Matthews and Mitch Marner. Only matters what They asked say. them about uh, yeah. the rookie race okay. and if they were keeping track. And obviously, you know they are, but they both said they really don't care. They're just trying to win games. Win games in Toronto? Is this real life? Uh, I don't remember the last time this was a focus or even an option for, for a Leafs fan. So it's what nice. happens when, you, when you're so young? It's very you nice. See? You know, it's so very nice. This is a great time, I mean, for Toronto. You know, the Raptors are, are going to be a playoff team. And, and one, it would, uh, there's hope for whatever. And the Leafs look like uh, they're knocking on the door of a playoff spot. And the Blue Jays have their season right around the corner. And the Argos are, well, nobody really cares. That's the whole thing. And Toronto FC made a yeah. run, too, right? Their best run in franchise history. But, yes, the Argos, I, I kind of agree with you on that. Like, it's time for soccer again? This league is, is dumbfounds me. I, I don't understand. You know, Take a break, guys. But they did. Like, That's the whole thing. They took a break just before the championship, remember? Yeah, before the, yeah, that's great. That's when we want the break, you know, and then lead us back. Uh, I got some questions to ask Gregory Caltabanis okay. later. Coming up uh, just after 9.30, the impact going back to work. And uh, Gregory, well, he goes back to work here to talk uh, impact. Interesting uh, that uh, our two guests tonight have uh, interesting lists uh, that came out, right? The Power 25, the movers and the shakers in the National Hockey League. Who are they? I found that an interesting list. John Shannon will join us just after uh, 8.50. And uh, Andrew Berkshire was asked for the uh, the top 67 players since 67. Only he's holding on to the top 10. So we'll see if we can't squeeze that out of him. He'll join us. I have to talk Habs and that uh, just after 8.35. And uh, what else do we have? Uh, Abby Goldberg. Right. And uh, let's see. How do we... Uh, how do we break down what the professor would like to talk about today? Sports and politics in the age of Trump. All right, and the cross-pollination. That was beautiful. You asked how should we break it down, and then you just did it magnificently. That's because was... you know what I'm talking about, because I already, I already broke, broke it down for you earlier. Anyways, the professor will join us, sports sociology and all that, as we do every Wednesday night. And everything else that goes with... Sportsnet tonight with Elliot Price, including Grant Robinson's opening face-off. We'll see if he can approach Freddie. That's next in a moment. You're listening to Sportsnet tonight with Elliot Price. Tackling the latest headlines and the hottest topics, it's time for the opening face-off with Elliot Price and Grant Robinson. Yeah, let's see if we can get uh, Grant's attention away from Leafs' wings. Nazem uh, Selkie? Is that we changing the Is name? It? No? 
No, we're not. Okay, I'm just checking. I'm just checking. Did he just lose and we didn't even... Uh, because, you said it right before but the break. I, I, now, now, wait a minute. I do believe that, that Freddie <laughs> tweeted out a couple of weeks ago, you did Kadri a couple of weeks ago, and he automatically, automatically that night eliminated, eliminated so you. So what happens when Kadri is nominated for it? Well, we'll worry about that when it happens. Well, I'm just saying it's it's getting there. It's getting there. Because last time this conversation knows, came up, do you know what your argument was? Who knows where we'll all be in he 2021? Has <laughs> <laughs> he has to have the goals to have it, and he's yeah. been adding them yeah, since then. Nice. So yeah. I think he heard your. I hope he hears your other advice, which is don't get hurt. Yeah. I hope all the Leafs. Oh boy, don't get hear hurt that. for sure. Come uh, on, Leafs! I want to see them make the playoffs, and I'd like to get uh, this. Uh, this is the opening faceoff. Yes. Right? Okay. So last night, yeah. Habs look great, no question. Uh, How they look great. They dominated. They Other did part not dominate. It, the Flames. Did you watch? Did you Hold watch on. the game? Yeah, I actually did. I wasn't. And you thought the Canadians dominated last night? Well, no. First period, Flames came out firing, no question. But third period, Freddie, you watched the Hold game, on. didn't you? Yeah. When you're up five nothing, yeah, okay, that's, that's, this it's... isn't even part of the question. They though, dominated so the Elliot, goals and assists. Elliot, <laughs> Elliot, hold on, <laughs> stay with me here. Flames looked. Awful again in the sense, like you said, three games in a row, yeah. uh, down four nothing. Okay. The Flames are a good team. We know that they're going to bounce back. Why? Why are they a good team? Because they've won more than they've lost. No, this year. no, they haven't. They have not. <laughs> they have the same argument spot. I had with Freddie. The other and day. listen, Vancouver is going to pass them for the final playoff spot if yeah. they win tonight. I'm not worried about Vancouver uh, from Calgary. Maybe LA again. Not the question. <laughs> Let's just get through this. They had. They were up five nothing. Right. They win five one, but one second away from a carry. Price shutout and a five nothing win. Uh, he could have got him his third shutout of the season. Two points is two points. You don't get extra for a shutout. Uh, but do you think that last goal mattered to the Habs? Absolutely. I think it, they, they're going to shut down the franchise here. This is it. <laughs> it's over. You know, anything that they thought was going to happen this year now is not going to happen because they got scored on late in the game they were leading 5 nothing. Kind of a qu- That's your first question today? How does, After all okay. of the things that we talked so about leading up to that? That does matter, though, because in Voices, are we not going to play a clip? About somebody saying yeah, they that it feel matters? badly well, that it got that, away. That matters. They I didn't wanted say to it's... get him the shutout, but it didn't matter. But you know what? But that's gonna... what I'm saying, though. Do as a team, you go in, you're happy about the win. Yeah, but we're going But now it's the guy that took the penalty. Okay, we're going to hear yeah. him. Okay, and the guy that lost the shutout, he seems to be the least affected by it. All. And the guy that had the sh- that took the penalty is the once you're up five nothing, yep. the game is so you've already counted the two points, put them in the bank. You only have two missions now, and it was I, the teammates are only thinking of one thing on the bench. Can Radulov get that uh, get that goal at the end when he was on the ice? Oh, I thought they were thinking, can Radulov get a penalty <laughs> so that uh, the Flames well, they had can the have two a goals, right? The hat trick and the shutout. Well, you know what? The hat trick didn't Weber, work. Maybe Weber should have cleared the zone. Uh, well, and Weber, you could see in his yeah. face. Of now, course. does it bother you? I, I'm sure if I was Carey Price, I'd bug them. But I, I think it does matter in a sense where uh, it would have been big for his confidence. But either way, he's got two big games okay, in a row. You know what? Ten days from now, it won't matter. I so agree then with it that. doesn't matter. But it does today. It does not. And so, but if it doesn't matter in ten days, then it really doesn't matter. I'm just saying. You said it doesn't matter, but then said it, it bothered doesn't them. Matter. But it doesn't matter. But it does if it bothered them. Well, it bothered them because you don't want. Uh, you know what? Um, if if you uh, uh, step down uh, from from the curb and and you turn your ankle and you go, it'll bother you until you find out that it doesn't really hurt. But do really I think hurt. about this the next time I'm stepping off a curb? Then because it hurt me, it mattered. So it's every time I you're gonna, of. No, I'm just saying. No, I'll, I'll say this, Carey Price. Look, it, then it was a bad analogy, no. and it's my fault. I should have done better. <laughs> and does Carey Price care? You you said he's the least affected. Yeah, I agree. Two points. Habs great season so far, but. 
it does leave a sour taste in your mouth to have that. You know, you're one second away, and it goes away. Yeah. Having said that, they're happy. Uh, Carey Price might not have got that shutout. But a former Habs goalie, Mike Condon, uh, did last night. Shuts out the Capitals, uh, 3-0. He has the Ottawa Senators in great position right now after Craig Anderson went down. They kind of handed the reins to him and said, hey, can you run this franchise? We saw what happened uh, when they did that here in Montreal with him. It really didn't work out. But you're you're making it sound so simple. They didn't do that. No, they tried to give him. I'm saying last year he couldn't carry a team. They picked him up and they played him. And he played well, so they kept playing him. Right, if he'd have played crap, they'd have gone back to what they had before. Well, no, but th- well this is what I'm saying. He's yeah. doing this year what he could not do last year. Yeah. And last year, the Habs had a ton of injuries, but not as much as they do this year. They're still winning. Mike Condon right now is one of the great stories when you look at it. Do you buy what's happening here? Is this Mike Condon? Yes. Or is last year Mike Condon well, to you? Well, w- why would you choose a guy in his second year? It's not like he has uh, a long history of statistics to look back on. Here's a guy that went through last year, came through it, and this is his second year. Yep. So um, I believe this one more than And you know what? I believe in both of them. That's a very difficult first year. Put a guy rookie in a position for a famous franchise that got off to one of the great starts ever and then lost their best player, and you're supposed to replace them. And things started going bad. And so, yeah, what, what, what's amazing is that they actually threw this guy under the bus after the season was over, that yeah, he was the reason. It made it so that. easy for them to do that. And, you know, Pittsburgh, obviously other franchises were not um, um, blind to his capabilities because Pittsburgh picked him up and then Ottawa picked him up. Yep. And the Canadians were also not blind to his capabilities. They'd have preferred to keep him, but that's not the way it worked out. I, I'm I'm very impressed with this guy. Look, uh, his last Should five, be. he's, he's been amazing. One, I know he got beat the last, bad to Columbus. In the last six weeks, he's been better than Carey Price. And he shut out Washington and Columbus. That's yeah. the two top point teams in the NHL right now. I shut them both out. 40, uh, 31 saves last night, 42 against Columbus. And and look at his stats right now. Yeah. 238 goals against, 918 save percentage on the season. Carey Price, if you look at their numbers, I'm not saying he's anywhere near. I'm not making that comparison. I'm saying Carey Price is not having a bad year statistically either. Not as good as he usually does, but Mike Condon's right there. He's got four shutouts. Price has two. I'm impressed. That's all oh, I'm saying. Oh, you see? Hey, they you, matter. I can't believe you use you use the shutout because <laughs> the guy with 1.2 seconds left uh, would have had three shutouts. Dude, had Shame he had it, on he you. He would still be behind That's Mike Condon, stupid. though. And despite having played yeah. 12 more games, right. but you know, neither here nor there. Uh, I'll say this: nothing is neither Ma- here Mike nor there. Mike Condon, uh, like you said, last year was just nobody on the Montreal Canadiens had a good season. It was a snowball effect. It was going down, and it was only going to get worse. He got out of there. Look, the Habs are still there. They're bouncing back. He is, too. And I'm, I kind of like to see what he can do. I know Craig Anderson's going to come back, but I think he's earned a, earned some starts if, if Anderson struggles. Oh, when he knocks the Canadians out of the playoffs. <laughs> oh, that would be the best. Oh, that would be the best. Uh, Henrik Lundqvist, yes. speaking about struggling goalies, uh, we know how much he was struggling Well, we watched uh, for a him the other while. night. That was uh, And he was incredible impressive. in that game. Yes, he had to shut out the game before, so that's two big games in a row right well, now. I didn't see that one, but I saw the one against so, the Kings. We watched that. He was the only reason they were in the game. So right now, we're, we're heading into that All-Star break after tomorrow. Which version of Henrik Lundqvist do you expect to see for the rest of the season? Wasn't this the question you just asked me about Condon? Uh, Mike Condon, I said last year. Yeah, no, I well, had to Henrik, choose. hold on. Uh, your Condon answer was is, he is hasn't next, had a track record. I, I don't have to compare two goalies in the next question. Do no, I? there's okay, no comparison. Just... It's it, There's no comparison. Nice one, Grant. There's no comparison here. Yeah. 
with Henrik Lundqvist. Yeah. We we even asked John. We asked that we've heard it from all the experts out there. They were all asking that question. You know, is Henrik done? Uh, he's thirty four years old. I don't know. But what do you think? That your opinion matters. I don't think he's, Price, he's not. We need to know. The guy's not done. We saw him do it the other night, so he's capable. I mean, he it was just an onslaught of Los Angeles Kings against defenseless New York Rangers defensemen. The guy's 34 years old. You know, he's not 48, yeah. which which would obviously not hey, be hey, good. Hey. Dominic Hasek over there. But I, I think I think he's still got it. I, I think he went through. Look, we saw him go through a bad rub. We saw Carey Price do the same thing. Good, great players mm-hmm. sometimes look bad. It's going to happen. I'd like to see him bounce back. But if he doesn't, it's going to be an interesting offseason to see uh, what the Rangers well, do. I don't care if he bounces back or not. No? No, what <laughs> no, do I care? I like that. New York Rangers, Henrik Lundqvist, who cares? <laughs> Milos Raonic. What does it do for me? It looked like all the stars were aligning for him, right? Yeah. It looked, hey, number one and two are out. Milos, is he's rolling. I know he struggled a little bit in some uh, of them. I'm, I'm incredibly disappointed, uh, so much so that uh, I, I, I can't believe after reading all the stuff on it that a, a doctor doesn't have a B in it, you know, because I, <laughs> <laughs> I looked at the spelling of what it was that was bothering him again, and I, I, if, I, if they'd asked me to write a story about it, I would have uh, totally missed out on, on how to spell. What, what his injury is. There's no B in Good there? God, no, it's an adductor. There's no I B. would have said abductor See? 100% right. as not, well. That not. just blew my See? mind. That's what I'm talking about. I read the article, and I'm pretty sure I put a B no. in my own mind not, when I read it. No. Uh, so and, unless, unless the guy from Sportsnet that wrote the story uh, spelled it wrong. I don't know. But I, but I ask you this question here yes. when it comes to him, because this is kind of what we see him do. He, I know, promise, I was talking about promise. it last night, and I said, hey, it looks good because nothing's bothering him. There's no hip, there's no shoulder, there's no... So this is the time, and then know. it happens now. But, but no, but, he, but as it turns out, because we there's will hear injury. from him, uh, he came in with this injury. He, nobody knew. So uh, do you start questioning, yes, is he ever going to get we over this hump? You have to question it. Because um, he obviously has the talent. He's he was the highest yep. seeded player left in the tournament. And if, if if this is going to be Nadal and Federer, shoot me. I'll I'll watch that. Oh hey, come my on. God! It, th- what are they? A combined six thousand years old? What bugs me it's is enough. It's m- enough. Most people who I don't want to watch two old men who defended. Well, not defended because look, I think hey, Milos is still only twenty six. Hey, I'm serving. I'm serving now. <laughs> Hey, stand still, you (laughs) bastard. What are you doing with your hands and your pants there? (laughs) He's still coming into his own. But again, the the question used to be, well, once Nadal and Federer go down, you know, he'll be there to take over. Now it's not. Now they've gone down and it's Djokovic and Murray. There's always going to be a younger guy that's coming in. So I understand that this was this was now this was the opening. The Red Sea had parted, and you had to stumble on some rock there. And I maybe think that the water came way. back over. Maybe Milos just didn't. Maybe said, "You know what? When I win it, I, I want to beat Djokovic." Yeah, that first it. win. That's right. That's what just it is. Just like in '86 when the Oilers <laughs> got knocked out, and the Canadians decided we don't want the cup. Yeah, yeah no, right? because yeah, well, let's because beat the Oilers. Smith scored on his own net and knocked the go. Oilers out. And See, now you're getting it. No, <laughs> getting Canadians it. did win the cup, and they were happy with it. <laughs> Usain Bolt uh, will lose one of his gold medals. Oh, Oh, just the now, beginning. Uh, due to his relay teammate, Nesta Carter's yeah, doping violation. Wait until it's not his teammate. So, so hold on. Does this take away no. from from anything? Because now he's got... The whole thing was triple I think three-peat, I, right? I think I read today that um, if you took that guy out that tested positive, 
and you put Grant Robinson in there? That, that's a lie. They still, that is they still would have won the goal. <laughs> I could tell you for a fact that is an alternative. They still would have. Right they were so far ahead of everybody else, they still would have won the goal. Well, that's what makes me laugh is this guy didn't beat the guy he raced against. That doesn't matter. Usain Bolt was behind wrong. when he took it, and then when no. he took it, no. he was Someone in my house said that today, and I said, no, you're, you've got this all wrong. It's four by 100. Yeah. Okay, not three and and no, we, I, and we no, could have had someone else. Weak, but I'm saying the other guys on the other teams, if you look at their time splits, yes. Usain Bolt, every time they've won that relay, yes. beats the other person that he's racing by a significant, a significant time. It That's doesn't why matter. Now, now whoever is the fifth guy is going to have to come in, and now he's going to be even slower than the fourth guy. I get, I get where you're coming from, but Usain Bolt, it's, and they didn't till, have him the lead when he got wait the till baton. 2040. Now, I might be gone, but you'll still be around. <laughs> and by then, they'll all have taken their medals away. No one will have any medals by then. Well, that I, I think, I hope that doesn't happen. Look, I'll say this it doesn't change anything to me. It's the relay race. Did anybody say, oh my God, he won the relay goal? No. When he had those moments, it's when he's crossing the finish line, banging his chest uh, for the 200 meter, the 100 meter. It's those world records that made him who he is. Just like Phelps, it wasn't the relays. There's four guys that won that gold medal at once, right? It's the individuals, but it does suck that he can't say the triple gold uh, three-peat now. It sucks. Having said that, this guy, Nesta Carter, like, way to ruin a good thing, bud. Nobody knew your name anyways. Now, oh, wait, maybe it was a good move by him. Now we know who he is. Is that it? That's it. That's it. You're listening to Sportsnet Tonight with Elliot Price and Grant Robinson. Hi, time for voices every night at this time. Uh, people who have uh, done something or been heard from in the last 24 hours. And I got to tell you, at the end of this, best one in a while. This is Terrier-esque rant from the Calgary coach last night without the French accent. So Glenn Gullitson went off and uh, we'll play it for you. It's a good one. It's going to be right there. We'll, we'll, uh, we'll get Grant to give it uh, a, a 1 to 10 on a scale of Terrier. On the Terrian scale of rats. All right. All right. Uh, first off, Milos Raonic. He's gone. I'm so disappointed. I thought maybe, maybe this time. But no. There were some opportunities in that second set. Other than that, there wasn't, there wasn't much for me to hold on to. Um, I thought he did some things well. I thought, uh, uh, you know, uh, he, he took the match to him. He did something a little bit different than he normally does. And uh, he played better than I did. What was the problem with 3-2 in the second, and how did it affect you or before that or after that? Uh, I hope it's nothing too serious. So. Is it high currently? Or right there? Well, it's my inductor again, so... Yeah. And how, how badly did it bother you after? Did you carry it going in, or did it happen at some point? Um, the sort of the back story is I... I Another part of the doctor I damaged in Brisbane, so I was healing that before this tournament. I got it to pretty good shape. We still had to monitor it, and then today, I guess, I heard another aspect of it, more similar to last year, but not by any means that serious. It just it feels sometimes that whenever you get close to one of your goals or one of the things that you work so hard for, that something always happens, uh, really physically. I don't know. I don't want to depress myself thinking about that too much right now. <laughs> yeah, there was there was some opportunity. Uh, there you go. That's uh, Stephanie, our uh, Stephanie Miles with the last question there from OpenCourt.ca, uh, and a very a very unhappy uh, Milos Raonic, uh, following another one of those when he had a chance 
It happened last year at the beginning of the year. Let it get away. Speaking of letting it get away, Canadians with a shutout bid for Carey Price, gone in the last second. Uh, that feels terrible for Pricey, especially. I mean, you know, he's there for us game in, game out, and, and um, uh, I feel terrible. I mean, uh, we did a good job tonight with the penalty claim, but uh, yeah, that, that one second, it's, uh, it feels bad. Yeah, the win is important, and, and I thought in the third period we played really solid, and uh, we were good with the puck, we were good to defend. We took a penalty that uh, we shouldn't take, and uh, for sure it's, it's, it's a great team win, but in the meantime, you want win the position to uh, kind of give Kerry a, a shutout, and we put ourselves in a, in, in a tough position by taking that penalty. We really want to give this to Bryce, you know. I mean, like I said, you can't stop playing at the end, you know. Took a bad penalty, you know, cast the goal in the second, and he was there for us today, and, uh, you know, he deserved the shutout. And, always it's, it's tough but like I said you know work on, on those things and make sure it's never happen again yeah for sure but you know at the end of the day it doesn't really matter that much um, I've never been a big statistics guy we need the win more than anything so that's um, the way it goes and he got the win so um, there you go heard from uh, Thomas Placanos who scored a nice shorthanded goal last night and uh, you know, Michel Therrien and a, uh, a, a very disappointed Alex Radulov, who scored two beautiful goals, played great last night, but he's the guy that took the penalty. Of course, we didn't hear from Shea Weber, who didn't clear the zone. So, you know, there was company in fault on uh, why the Canadians got scored upon. Meanwhile, fourth game in a row, it's hard to believe, fourth game in a row that the Calgary Flames at some point in the game have been down 4 nothing, And their coach went off. So, Grant, on a scale of 1 to 10 on the Terry Ann scale, this rant from Glenn Gullitson. Yeah, we were pathetic. We were pathetic. Yeah, it was a pathetic display. Um, no, no bite back. No kickback. Accept it. Uh, right, right down our top guys didn't do anything, and uh, we need somebody to step up. Yeah, well, it's, it's the same old story. I mean, uh, we had the better chances in the first fifteen of the third. Uh, first fifteen of the first. Um, we extend ourselves on a minute shift. We've got our fourth line out there. They decide to take one more crack at it because they, they scored so many goals. And uh, they all come off and let them fly into our zone and catch the other line a little off guard. That's what happened on the first goal. We, we had our windows to get, to get back in. We, we spot them on. Uh, Johnny bobbles the puck at the blue line. Turns it over. It's two two nothing. Uh, we're on a power play. One nothing in a road game on a on a power play. We get a five on three broken stick. Can't even muster a shot. So these are things we work on. I mean, it's not like we got a bad power play. We're running at twenty percent. We're running the top top third of the league. But uh, for some reason mentally we just couldn't get a shot to the net. See to pull out of something like. Well, that? you got to man up. You know. It's, just got a man up. I mean, we play well. One bad thing happens, we crumple. We crumple. You know. I mean, everybody talks about our starts. I mean, our starts. Our starts have been uh, have been good. One little shot, it goes in. We crumple. We just we just crumple. And we can't. We have no resolve to stay with it. And uh, 
we got to look internally here at ourselves, everybody, everybody in the organization, and figure out uh, how we're going to pull ourselves out because uh, the league doesn't feel sorry for you. These streaks and these letdowns, I mean, are we going to start to play? We're out of the playoffs now as far as where we were. We sat there for 45 days. Are we going to start to play now? Now when it gets easy, maybe? We gonna, that's when we play? I mean, that's, that's the concern. What no. Yeah, what bugs me most is that we play when uh, when it's easy. We play when it's easy. So, if we got that mentality, you get a fight out of it. On a scale of one to ten, on the uh, Tarion scale of rant, put uh, that's at least uh, at least an eight. That's in, an eight. In, okay. uh, coach, it gets yeah. Coach Tarion's respect. That's for sure. It gets his respect. It gets his respect. All right. Very well. What's his What's his uh, word? We used to have it in the uh, in our commercial. Freddie, you loved. What was the word? He he was uh, Daniel Oreo made it for us. What was he saying, Coach Tarion? It. Plenty. It's not even words, but bibbity. Come on, you guys know this. Baba Booey. There you go. There you go. Baba Boof. <laughs> Baba Boof. <laughs> yeah. Baba Boof. <laughs> yeah. That's Coach Terry. That would have been if it was bad. I wanted to go with that. You Baba know? Boof. But uh, it was good. It was pretty decent. <laughs> Coach isn't happy. I wouldn't want to be at a Calgary practice this week. That's for sure. Well, I wouldn't want to. Uh, I wouldn't want my team to play like that two, three more times. <laughs> because <laughs> you'll not be a coach. They could always hire Bob Hartley. I'm just, just saying. <laughs> All right, uh, so there you go. We'll talk more hockey. Best 67 players since 67. Interesting list made by Andrew Berkshire that he was commissioned to do. We'll talk to him about the Habs and that and a whole lot more talking hockey. After Grant's update, you're listening to Sportsnet Tonight. I'm Elliot Price. Playing hurt? Maybe that don't face me. I don't got time for pain. The only pain I got time for is the pain I put on fools who don't know what time it is. Sure, I check a few fools. I give them the pain. But sometimes it's about intimidation, you know. It's mind games. Elliot Price, gravy, hamburgers, and fries. Worlds are colliding. Elliot Price, gravy, hamburgers, and fries. That's no tragedy. All right, here we go. Uh, we, we lost Andrew. We'll get him back in just a second. Uh, also coming up on tonight's show, John Shannon, who I had uh, lunch with yesterday. Looking forward to uh, talking to John. He was in for last night's hockey game. Couldn't be impressed with what he saw for the Calgary Flames. 
But uh, hey, Leafs are looking good. 2 nothing lead. Not much time left in the second period. Uh, time to talk to Andrew Berkshire about, uh, well, his list that we told you about and also Montreal Canadiens. Andrew, how you doing? Good. How are you guys doing? We're doing well. I, I chided uh, Andrew today because I had a look at his list, uh, the top uh, 67 players since 67. And Bobby Hull wasn't in there, and he said he would explain why he wasn't in there. And come on, he's not in there because he's in the top 10. Uh, not exactly. Andrew, no, uh, no, no. The Andrew, why Andrew. Bobby Hull's not in there is most of his career oh, was before 67. So... I found it weird that the NHL didn't put him in their top 33 in the previous 50 years. I didn't feel right including him when only, I think, five years of his career were post-expansion. I'm not good that's with this. That's a fair point, Elliot. That's a fair point. That's a fair point? You, you got to give him that. Point? Five years only. I, I, I got to agree. I'm sorry, Elliot. <laughs> um, Bobby Hull scored 44, 58, 38, 44, and 50 in the five years after 67 before he went to the Winnipeg Jets. So are we not counting? The WHA doesn't count, right? No, this is only NHL players. And, you know, obviously, like, I did score adjust Bobby Hall's career, and he comes out in, like, the top 10 all-time in terms of uh, scoring, era-adjusted scoring. So, like, he should be in the top 100, but the NHL didn't put him in their top 33 and the area that he played most of his career in. So uh, I'm not entirely sure why they did. I'm assuming part of it might be uh, public relations related because Bobby Hall is seen much differently in the last 20 years than he was during his career. Uh, But uh, I'm not sure. All right, so how did you, uh, what did you base this on? Did, did you base it on stats? Did you base it on awards? Did you base it on, uh, base it on championships? What were some overriding factors? Uh, the first thing that I did was I error adjusted everybody's scoring or for the goalies, their save percentage and how many uh, save, uh, goals they saved above a league average goaltender in each year that they played in. And from there, I went through some video work. I looked at old uh, scouting reports, things like that, and talked to some people who watched players in certain eras. And it was just the best I could do to figure out who dominated in each era. And obviously there's going to be some bias towards the area that, or the era that I grew up in. And I tried to avoid that as much as I could, but it'll be in there because everybody has that bias, bias in there somewhere. So, you know, it, it's obviously not something that I'm going to say. Uh, that I would argue with somebody over, but I think it's an interesting list that, for the most part, I think everybody on there, most people would agree with. Okay, I'm not looking at the list right now, and I don't remember if they were in the uh, 11 to 67, but uh, I'm imagining that uh, there's got to be an Orr and and a Gretzky and a Lemieux and a Crosby and, and an Ovechkin. Yes, they are all in the top ten. All right. No problem there. Who was your favorite player growing up? Uh, my favorite player growing up was Patrick Waugh. That's why I became a Canadiens fan when I was a kid. I was just was obsessed with like his mask and you know the way he would like move his head after uh, a whistle. You know all that stuff. The talking to his posts. I thought he was just the coolest. But uh, I was also about equally obsessed with Mario Lemieux. Which is ironic because they were born on the same day. Right, exactly. You know, same right, year, uh, same day. Mario, Mario. Yeah. yeah, same day, same year. Uh, 33 and 66. 
Mario Lemieux, I think, honestly, is the greatest hockey player to ever play, but uh, he was not my number one. Okay. Um, Bobby Orr's the greatest player I ever saw. He could uh, he did things that no one else did when he was playing, and uh, whatever the stats say, uh, he owned the puck. He owned the game. He owned the game like no yeah. player I have ever seen. The stats for Bobby Orr say exactly what you would expect, which is uh, even adjusted for era where he played in a, a slightly higher scoring era right. than say current time. Uh, he, over the length of his career, per season. He was outscoring the next best defenseman ever by about 30 points a season, which is just insane. It's a gap that cannot possibly exist at any other position. Bobby Orr changed the sport. You know, you don't have, before Bobby Orr, you know, Doug Harvey, you know, maybe started the, the idea of a rushing defenseman, but Bobby Orr perfected it. He created an entirely different dynamic for the sport, but he just broke systems of his time down. Teams didn't understand how to, you know, compensate for a player like that. So he's, he's a guy that, you know, just beyond incredible. But the only thing with Orr that holds him back a little bit for me is the length of his career. You know, like, we don't know how well he would have kept up if he had been able to keep playing. It's those darn cheap shots on the knees that, you know, stole from hockey history possibly the greatest player ever. Well, it's, uh, it's, it was in an era before medicine knew what to do with those poor knees. And as I've uh, mentioned many times, I don't think Bobby Orr played 30 games after the age of 26, which is off the charts ridiculous. Now, um, it's only been out uh, for a few hours, so really hasn't had an opportunity to be lauded or panned. I'm wondering w- what is the most negative uh, response that you've received so far? Have you pissed anybody off? Uh, no, not, not that I've seen. I think most people take it for what it is, which is, you know, one person's attempt to, uh, include all the people that I feel should be included. Uh, I put in a couple of honorable mentions at the end. I had a couple of people surprised that Dale Howarchuk didn't make it, yeah. which you know, I would put him in the honorable mentions. You know, I feel like the problem is there are so many great players and a lot of them had, you know, fairly similar career uh, accomplishments that it's really tough in that like 50 to 120 range to cut guys out. It, it's just, it comes down to almost personal preference on style of play or impact on the game. And I, I think most people have realized that, that if their guy who should be in that area wasn't in mine, it's just, you know, different ways of approaching evaluating. That's the best player since 1967. Uh, I'm curious. Look, we're at the All-Star break pretty much after tomorrow. Uh, you're obviously paying attention to the entire league. As of right now... Oh, please say Austin give... Matthews. No, so no, no, it has nothing to do with... Drop again. Hold on. It has nothing to do with the league this year. <laughs> As of right now, when it comes to the major awards in the NHL, Norris, Vezina, Hart, if you can only argue for one person to win one of them, like which of the awards do you think... There's someone who stands out so much that they deserve it 100. That's 100%. Burns. He's the guy that stands out so much. Well, some would say some would say Dubnik or, okay. or or a goalie, but yeah, I I would agree, Brent Burns. But where do you see that? Yeah, I'm going to be boring and totally agree with you guys. It, it's Brent Burns by a landslide, and unless something crazy happens in the second half of the season, I mean, he's won the Norris in a walk. Uh, everything that you could use to measure 
how great a player is playing. Burns is at the top of the list. Like he, he's had a season for the ages. Okay, he's explain putting ex- more shots on net than Ovechkin. And but That's he, crazy. But give, give us a, an idea of his progression as a National Hockey League player and how the hell he got here. It's almost difficult because yeah. he's been tossed around and he, he was drafted as a defenseman and then he played forward for a bit, went back to defense, then he played forward for a year in San Jose and now he's gone back to defense. And I, I don't know, it's almost like Dustin Bufflin, but obviously Brent Burns is a much better player. Uh, last season and a couple seasons before, he was you know an offensive dynamo, but extremely risky with the puck and he seems to have dialed it back a little bit in terms of uh, his giveaways and he's just become an all-around powerhouse and you know you put that frame that he has on a player who can skate like him and and move laterally like him and and it's just hard to defend and I don't know how he shoots so much like you'd think that he'd injure his arms by now always great talking with you it's Andrew Berkshire you can find him all over the place Sport Logic Vice RDS and uh, the Andrew Berkshire podcast and uh, once a week here on Sportsnet tonight with Elliot Price. Thanks, Andrew. Thanks, guys. Talk to you soon. Okay. And uh, go read uh, and amuse yourself or upset yourself or whatever it is. Go check his top 67, 667 in the next couple of days. I'm sure we'll see the top 10, although I already gave you five names. <laughs> there you go. How about the power brokers in hockey? It's, it's a day for lists. Uh, John Shannon, and that is a terrific read and some interesting names in on the list. Had an opportunity to read that today and talk to John yesterday, and we'll talk to him on the air coming up in just a few moments. From Sportsnet, it's John Shannon coming up next. Do we have him? We have him. John Shannon? Oh! What happened there? John Hello, Shannon. are you there? I'm there. How are you doing? There you are. I'm doing great. All right. How did our city treat you yesterday? All right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Other than the uh, the, the skiff of snow, it was a great day. You know, <laughs> and I, I I still love going to the Bell Center. I just think you know you walk the concourse there, and uh, it's bright. It's everybody's smiling. Of course, they're smiling because Canadians are winning. But it's uh, <laughs> it's uh, it, it's a great place to go. I think I think it's got the best atmosphere in the National Hockey League. I uh, really enjoyed your uh, Power 25 today, and I just want to go over uh, a couple of names and uh, and how they made this list. You got Gary Bettman one, you got Don Fear two, and Wayne Gretzky at number three. And it makes you wonder. It kind of reminds me when I was a kid how um, you know obviously the city celebrates Rocket Richard, but uh, the people that are young do not know how long Rocket was outside the Montreal Canadiens organization. And Gretzky being out of the National Hockey League kind of reminded me of the same thing. How stupid is that? Everybody loves him on every side possible. It's only a good thing to have him involved in the sport and good to have him back. Well, you're right. And and quite frankly, for the longest, there there were two things that really hurt the relationship, if you remember, Elliot. First of all was the money owed him um, by the previous owners in in, in Arizona. And and at, at at some point, Gary and the the board wouldn't honor his contract, and so he was part of the bankruptcy. So he 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 didn't get any money out of that. So it, they finally had to resolve something to that. I believe in the end he got almost eight million dollars from somewhere. Uh, and uh, if you remember, just prior to uh, the uh, the games in Torino in two thousand and six, 
the gambling crisis that, that Janet was involved in, and 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 that really that really hurt the relationship between Gary Bettman and the league and Wayne Gretzky. And and Wayne is a a very traditional man, and he doesn't forget things. And so the the bridges have been mended, and it's great to have him around the NHL as the ambassador. It's also great to have him now in the board. Uh, representing the Edmonton Oilers most of the time, and I think it's a, he's an important voice because players will still listen to him, and because he's Wayne Gretzky, even the, the billionaire owners will listen to him. On Sportsnet.ca, it's John Shannon's NHL Power 25, Bill Daly for Rocky Words at number five. And I don't know how many people are, understand the story of how Chicago got to this point. We're not talking about three Stanley Cups. We're talking about an empty arena that didn't put their games on television until his, di- his dad died. And Rocky took over, and wow. Yeah, and, and, that, and, and that, that wow has become uh, iconic in Chicago, and... and- and and they're they're on the same level as the Bears. They're on the same level as the Bulls, and and they're pretty close to the Cubs. And and for the longest time, as as you know, as that you know that closet Blackhawk fan you are. Oh, I'm not a closet. Um, no closet there, yeah, well, my friend. I know, I, I know, I know. <laughs> you, you know, you know what I mean. Yes, sir. It's unbearable at times. There you go. Um, uh, that uh, that the Blackhawks were weren't even a speck in the market. Now they're a big part of the market. They sell out every night. They have won championships. You know, they're 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 donating land to a community center downtown that's the part practice rink, and then will be part of what they're trying to do um, to help and grow the community. So, so that that's a big part of what's going on. I did. We marched through some very familiar names, and uh, we get to number twelve. And I dare say, if you asked a hundred hockey fans who David Zimmerman is, not a chance. No. Nope. Well, to put it in perspective, David Zimmerman has the job now that Bill Daly had, um, and and so when you when you sit down in the New York office, and I you know I was there for five years, when you sit down in the New York office and they and the the, the big cheeses discuss things, there's Bettman at one side, there's Daly on the other side, and then there's this guy David Zimmerman, uh, who has his, uh, his his fingers in a lot of pies, and whether it's the concussion issue. Whether it's CBA, whether it's team uh, finance issues, David Zimmerman, and you'll and he's one of those guys. Every time you see Gary walking down the street on video and television, Gary's one of those guys two feet behind Bettman, uh, and he's got an important place in, in the NHL, and, and he doesn't get very much attention, and that's one of the reasons why I wanted to put him on the list. Uh, we had lunch yesterday. We talked about uh, about Quebec City and about their arena. And when I got to 14, I thought about that. Because here you have Jeff Molson and Mark Chipman. You have uh, an owner who would love to compete against a team in Quebec City. It would be huge. Uh, often you don't want to share, but that would be great to share because it would just bring it to another level. And you have another Canadian owner in a small market. And I'm thinking, if Molson and Chipman are so important then Quebec's got to have a better chance than we think. Well, I, I think most of your logic's correct um, in, in that if, if Quebec is going to get a team, it's when, it's when guys like Chipman and Molson are on the executive committee uh, that they understand the, the pitfalls of what happens uh, with Canada with a 76-cent dollar, with, the, with corporate partners in, in markets like Winnipeg that... Uh, aren't as deep as New York or Chicago or Toronto. Um, and then, obviously, with Jeff on the list, uh, he, he'll understand what the rivalry means to the people of Quebec. 
and 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 why it's important if it in fact is important uh, for Quebec to be in the NHL. Uh, I, I'm I am still I, I cannot convinced that they should be. Um, I can be persuaded, and I probably can be persuaded if you tell me it's a relocation as opposed to expansion. Similar, similar, Elliot, to what we ha- what happened with Atlanta to Winnipeg. So, so, so from I'm, that perspective, if that if that works out, then I probably don't have any objection. So I give you uh, an, another chance, and you're going where then? If it's uh, you're going to Seattle, you're going to Kansas. Where are you going? I'm going to Seattle. Okay, uh, one I'm more. going to Seattle, and they're going to you know they're there's you know they're going to renovate an old arena that's 50 years old. They're going to put 400 million dollars into it over the next two years, and by then the NBA and the NHL will be shaking hands quietly with the city and. Probably, they'll probably get both teams in the same year or within a year of each other. All right, so before we let you go, number 15, Vinny Viola. Now, uh-huh. how, how, what number was he at before he was named to Trump's cabinet? I'm not sure he was on the list. I think it's an important um, connection to make. Uh, you know, and when we see the next Winter Classic or a Winter Classic two years from now uh, at uh, West Point. Um, and, and it's the Capitals and the Panthers. Uh, you know, I, I think that, you know, politics, uh, have, I don't have to tell anybody in Montreal, politics play a big part of everything that goes on, non-sports and sports. Uh, and to have somebody that's in that inner circle of 100 people around the President of the United States that happens to own a hockey team, uh, that's not a bad thing for the NHL. All right, uh, we were running out of time, but there, there's two more names on the list I, I must uh, have to talk to you about. First of all, number 19, P.K. Subban. That is yep. um, a, a significant name for many reasons. I mean, there are hockey players on there. Austin Matthews right in front of him. What's so important about P.K. Subban? Well, uh, you know, I, I think that P.K. Subban, where he's playing, I think he can entertain, and I think that he can electrify hockey fans in non-traditional markets better than he could in Montreal. I mean, the Montreal Canadiens don't need, didn't need a P.K. Subban to sell out. I think that his allure as a personality can only help the NHL in non-traditional markets, and I put Nashville as one of those non-traditional markets. And on top of that, he's a damn good hockey player. And uh, last but not least, and she isn't last, oh, and I gave it away. I was going to say, in an old boys' network, she's neither old nor a boy. Uh, Heidi yeah. Browning. And so we have a woman on the list, and uh, like everything else, there just aren't enough women when it comes to this nope. sort of thing. No, and, uh, you know, the, there's a, a music uh, uh, distribution uh, digital uh, company uh, called Pandora in the United States that Heidi has worked for. She's moved over to the NHL. Her job and her challenge will be to try to grow the NHL brand in non-traditional ways. You know, I don't have to tell you, Elliot, it's, a, it's an old boys club. It's yep. been an old boys club for too long. And we, we keep preaching to the same people all the time. It's going to be Heidi Browning's job to try to preach and try to sell the game to non-hockey fans, to more women, uh, and, and give distribution in, in, written, in non-traditional manners other than television and radio. Uh, it's a great read. I mean, we just uh, scratched the surface here. I implore people to go have a read, want to learn more about your sport, other than uh, the guys that are on the ice all the time, what makes it tick. Uh, nice work, John. Thanks for joining us. And uh, you know what? 
It was I, I could not believe it. I saw it yesterday. You reached for your wallet. It was unbelievable. <laughs> you reached for your wallet. Right. It was just fantastic. And the people at Lester's, we're going to go back there soon, Elliot. We're going to be back there. Okay, but just don't tell everybody that I reached for my wallet. They'll expect it, you know? <laughs> I know. But, I, but hold on. You were supposed to give Grant the carrot cake. Um, he wasn't here. Freddie, I wasn't here yesterday. Freddie, did so you get some hook. of the carrot cake? Yes. Yeah, Freddie got some. Grant <laughs> wasn't here. And uh, our producer that's here tonight, I, brought, I bought a, a smoked meat for, oh. for the producer, oh. and he got it, but it was a different producer last night. So, wow. yeah. Was... I'm not sure I'm talking to Elliot Price. <laughs> <laughs> okay. All right. Talk to you next week, John. Thank oh, you. Man. Have a great Wednesday. All right. There you go. John Shannon uh, from Sportsnet. It is. It's a great read. You know, I learned some stuff, uh, some people's names I did not know about, uh, some people that uh, have high-ranking positions in the National Hockey League that you may not know about, but uh, they help make this league tick. All right, uh, Abby Goldberg coming up, the sports sociologist. We keep it moving. It's a very busy, uh, crazy night. Uh, Greg uh, Caltabanis will join us as the impact. They're getting ready to play soccer again. It's snowing. Well, it was snowing. Uh, Grant's got an update. We'll do that in just a moment. This is Sportsnet Tonight with Elliot Price and Grant Robinson and Freddie Uni and John Shannon and everybody. Time now for a Sportsnet Tonight sports update. Here's Grant Robinson. Habs with a night off tonight. They play their last game before the All-Star break tomorrow against the Islanders. Every time you come on with an update, the Leafs score. Well, we you better, should be doing uh, updates do from home, update. eh? <laughs> no problem. On on off nights in the playoffs, you'll be doing updates. No problem. Yeah. Hey, well, Leafs are going to be in it, so it's uh, no I problem. I think so. I think I so. I like it. Right, well, go ahead. They keep this up. And the Red Wings are nothing. not. Well, not at this pace. Uh, Leafs 10-2-2 two two since December 22nd. Second oddest team in the league. Elliot corrected me last week. It's Minnesota who is number one, obviously, with the run they've been on. Uh, but Austin Matthews scored his 23rd goal of the year. The only other game in action right now, Philadelphia New York Rangers. Still 0-0. Henrik Lundqvist going for his third straight win. He's got eight saves so far. NHL news outside of that. Brad Marchand will have a hearing tomorrow for his slew foot on Nicholas Cronwall last night. Uh, didn't look good, and a lot of people obviously had a problem with that play. Evgeny Malkin will not be suspended, but he will miss uh, tomorrow's Penguins game and the All-Star game with what's being described as a lower body injury. So can't tell you what it is, but it does seem like it's decently uh, significant because he, they're saying he might miss time on the other side of the break as well. And games tonight, Vancouver, Colorado. This I would not have expected a few weeks ago. Vancouver with a win tonight wow. would leapfrog yeah. the Calgary Flames for the second wild card spot and be a playoff team. Uh, so the Canucks are definitely on a roll right now. In tennis, unfortunately, Milos Raonic no longer on a roll. Australian Open, uh, his run ends uh, with a loss to Rafael Nadal in straight sets in the quarterfinals. And NBA, the Raptors, we talked about them earlier this week and their struggles. They've lost four in a row. They haven't done that in two seasons. Uh, they'll be able, without DeMar DeRozan again tonight against the Grizzlies. But so far, so good. They're up 57-56 on the road against a very good Memphis team. Uh, so the Raptors are fighting and trying to end uh, this losing streak. We'll keep you posted all night on that. And up next, we have... Abby Goldberg. No, I know Abby Goldberg, oh. but the discussion. All right. Uh, here's what we're talking about tonight. Is it strange? The ongoing dialogue between sports and politics sports in and this politics. age of Trump. You know, you have uh, San Antonio's Coach Popovich uh, talking uh, you know, to the press as much about politics as he is about uh, his basketball team. 
and uh, all the cross-pollination of uh, sports and politics. That's the subject Looking matter. To it. The sports sociologist, the professor, Avi Goldberg, is next. You're listening to Sportsnet Tonight with Elliot Price and Grant Robinson. Right, uh, time for the professor. It's uh, Avi Goldberg. How are you doing, Avi? Good, guys. How are you doing tonight? I'm doing okay. And, uh, you know, very, very good uh, subject tonight, uh, the, the cross between sports and politics and, and the sports people that are engaging in uh, political conversation. i got to tell you that uh, maybe more than, and, and this is like for the first time ever, uh, maybe more than half of my reading is, uh, is now political because, I mean, there are neighbors and there's, there's crap going on over there. And it's, it's impossible to turn away. So I, I understand where it's all coming from. Well, let me ask you a question, first of all. I mean, Elliot, uh, you said that now about half of your reading oh, is... at least. Uh, I mean, if you had to guess, or maybe you, you've heard this from, from people you're, you're in touch with, but would you say that's a similar uh, situation for a lot of your colleagues in the business these days? Uh, I don't know, but I, I, it's some. Okay, you, you can see which, which ones are and which ones aren't. Uh, you know, on, on social media, uh, people that are engaged in, uh, in, in political tweeting, uh, so who? Um, Bruce well, we, Arthur? We know, we know in Canada, yeah, Bruce Arthur Jack has been Todd. Doing it for a long time, yeah. Uh, Jack Todd? Yeah. Of course, our, our, our buddy. His, you our, know, he gets his politics in there, for uh, sure. Our buddy Ted Bird. Yeah. Myself. Um, uh, we could cer- we could certainly identify. I mean, in the United States, there there's a few more heavy hitters who are you know who who are doing it and arguing with each other. Quite well, well thank, but- thank goodness for Richard Deitch, who who by the way spent last week in Toronto uh, working uh, on Sportsnet on two different shows uh, just for a week. But uh, if, if, if he's a person to follow on social media because anything important that happens um, as far as uh, political writing is concerned, you won't miss it. He's writing about it. He's. Yeah. I actually had the good fortune of interviewing him a few right. years ago. He's a he's a really smart guy. But uh, it's interesting that you mentioned the the social media because in a way you know like you know in a way the question is like is it strange or you know it's it's interesting now to see all these back and forths between uh, people in the sports world and people in the politics world. Uh, this kind of communication, uh, and and it, you know, it, it's very much is from a sociological perspective. It really is related to to the to the, of course, the wide popularization of social media. I mean, years back when when uh, when we started to go back and forth in terms of uh, social media platforms and celebrities started to get on, and then it you know, and it didn't take long for sociologists to notice. Well, now all of a sudden you've got politicians and presidents and and people who are running businesses who are now also who also years ago started to go on social media started to use the exact same you know tactics and strategies and and ways of talking uh, as the celebrities uh, so, so for, as sociologists look at it, it's like if you're going to start to see, let's say, politicians and presidents and governors and premiers and everything, you know, going on and, and kind of building their reputations and trying to engage in citizens, why, you know, why, why wouldn't we expect that athletes or those within the, polit- within the uh, sports world to, to try to, at times, you know, engage in conversations about or, or, or with those politicians. So, so in a way, it, it is very much a story of, of social media. People in, in the sort of academic world refer to it as uh, a convergence culture where the social media is helping to bring people from all sorts of different sectors who might not normally have been publicly talking to each other. Social media, you know, has been doing that for a while. You know, the question I have, and I, I'd be curious to know what you think about it, we may not be able to uh, sort of identify all your sports colleagues who are doing it, 
But could you imagine a world where within the next, you know, like two, three years, and especially under this polarizing Trump presidency, could you imagine a world where even on traditional sports radio stations that there actually is more open, you know, discussion about what is going on beyond the world of sports? Could you imagine that happening? I'm not so sure. No, I can imagine that uh, if you do that, they'll put you in jail. So you better, <laughs> no, you're laughing. This is not funny, Avi. Um, well, in, will you put in jail in Canada or, or no. in the States? Well, yeah, no, yeah. we're not we're not there yet in this country. But who knows? I mean, the world seems to be turning when it comes to politics in a very different direction. Uh, you mentioned uh, um, about certain sports uh, people that are involved in sports now espousing their uh, opinions on, on in the political world, and we heard um, uh, Coach Popovich from uh, the San Antonio. But another one was Steve Kerr. Uh, and uh, I, I found it interesting to go back and read the backstory on Steve Kerr and find out how he got to the point where he should be listened to as a person with an opinion. Uh, his father having been murdered uh, in Beirut as the head of the university there because of, well, people should go back and read it, when he was still at USC. And it is unbelievable, uh, the story of the family. And he was brought up in, in Lebanon. And uh, so uh, he ends up as an American with an opinion that comes from a different place. And a very interesting story it is. And uh, it's definitely worth a read if somebody has an opportunity to find out where did this guy come from and where did his opinion start. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I didn't actually have the chance to read up about uh, that particular story. It is quite interesting. I'd like to look into it. But, you know, the, another thing that, that people observe and look at in all of this is, you know, it, it's, it's, of course, coincidental coming on, on uh, certain uh, publicity being led by a certain media telecom uh, today. Uh, you know, when it comes to social media and telling stories, right, uh, social media helps people from all walks of life when you're talking about Steve Kerr, you know, introducing his own story and his own perspective and, and bringing it to the, to the realm of politics. So social media allows everybody to introduce their stories. An obvious question that, that arises is, you know, do we actually see any types of effects or consequences uh, within the organizations of our society at the same time as we have these uh, stories proliferating? Uh, you mentioned Steve Kerr, and on the other side, I'm sure maybe you and maybe some of your listeners, did you, did you hear the, or read the story about uh, Ted Cruz and his back and forth with Deadspin just yesterday? I did not. That, so that, that was an interesting one. So there's uh, so Ted Cruz, who, who I guess I'm not, I'm not exactly sure the, the reason why uh, Deadspin has uh, him in their crosshairs, but I guess Deadspin has wanted to go, go at him for a while. Deadspin and others have learned that Ted Cruz uh, has recently been trying to organize basketball games uh, at Congress to try to basically rebuild his relationships with Republicans who have kind of soured on him. Deadspin found this to be particularly interesting, so uh, Deadspin sort of sent out a little article asking for anybody to be able to, if anybody has a picture of Ted Cruz playing basketball, they would just love for somebody <laughs> to be able to send it in to embarrass him. Of course, that, that sort of uh, brings us back to the, to the debate time when Ted Cruz was still going for the leadership uh, of the Republicans and he made that awful gaffe by referring to a basketball ring, I think, instead of a basketball court or, or a basketball hoop. But anyway, uh, you, so, so you don't know what, what Ted Cruz did in response? No. Ted, Cru Ted Cruz actually responded to the Deadspin tweet by sending, uh, a, a, sort of playfully sending a picture of Grayson Allen, a Duke basketball player, uh, who a lot of people in the sports world, in the college basketball world, have been saying has an uncanny resemblance to Ted Cruz. <laughs> so, Cru so Cruz kind of 
shot back a very playful email. I, I can't I, on family radio repeat the response that Deadspin actually sent back to him, but it, it was it was kind of a nasty one. But but it, it was an interesting and entertaining exchange that on the one hand led to some people saying, well, even the nasty Ted Cruz can have a, a very strong social media Twitter game uh, towards the sports world. But at the same time, in the bigger picture. You know, if, if all this friendly banter is going back and forth and, and, and all these storytelling, uh, you know, maybe it's, it's really in the service of the status quo. And while it seems on the one hand that, you know, stories are, are helping us bring on new perspectives, but if the, if the sort of the organization of politics and the status quo continues to grind on, uh, you know, m- maybe no real change is actually happening in any direction. It's just a lot of people having a chance to tell a lot of sometimes humorous and sometimes serious stories. All right, a, a week from this Sunday is, is the Super Bowl. And obviously someone's going to win the Super Bowl. And that team huh. is going to be the first team invited to the White House with Trump as president. <laughs> And uh, it will be very interesting to see players that choose to go and not to go. And especially if it's the New England Patriots, when we know full well that the coach and the star are aligned behind the president. Tom has a room there, no? <laughs> you know, I'm, I'm no Patriots fan. In fact, I, I would say yeah. that uh, the Patriots make me quite sick to my stomach. Yeah, me and too. I don't know if, uh, Grant, I don't know if you're old enough to, are you old enough to remember Tom Brady attending a George W. Bush uh, State of the Union? I didn't see that, but I'm, I'm yeah, sure that I mean, was that, great. That's, that's going back quite a number of years, and it was in George W. Bush was the president, and Tom Brady was invited uh, to be in there for the state. But, uh, but uh, this will be incredibly fascinating to watch. When you actually add that question itself, right, there are athletes who have been speaking up, as we know. There have been rumors of divided dressing rooms. I mean, there's, there's, so, you know, there's potentially so much going on. When you add that to, to the social media communication angle as well, right, there have been recent cases, Antonio Brown uh, uh, sort of letting out the, lo- the, I don't know, the, the Facebook Live uh, from his own uh, locker room. Uh, you know, you, you, can, you can just see the potential for... For, for all kinds of uh, juicy <laughs> stories and innuendo and, and how it will play out, I, I cannot predict. Uh, but, but this will be a real test, in fact, to see just how much communication, there, true communication there will actually be about people's views, who will be able to prevail. Uh, you know, will everybody, will the, will the, will the team have to toe the line and everybody will have to appear? Or will there be some way, uh, that, you know, those who are dissenting will actually refuse to appear? I think it's going to be fascinating to watch. That's, that's a game within the game for sure. Trump's speech, I don't know if either of you guys heard it, but one of the parts I know he's talking, he brings up Robert Kraft. Did you guys hear this part where he goes? Yes, I did. Robert, I heard that. Yeah, and he yes. talks to Robert like now they're all, I don't know if they're as good of friends as they seem there, but he's talking to him like. The, and then to you uses Tom Brady to kind of get the crowd on his side, but goes, "Don't worry, Robert. Uh, Tom called me last night and told me he's feeling fine for the game." First of all, if this is real, what is Tom Brady doing calling okay. him? And second of all, okay, like, now, I'm pretty okay. sure the owner has a better but, but idea. Tom Brady was on WEEI yesterday in Boston. And he responded to that saying, sometimes I call him, sometimes he calls me. But people that you talk to, it doesn't necessarily necessarily mean that you agree with everything they think and right. say. So Tom Brady's like backing out I'm just now telling from you, the things I've heard. It out. He just, he says that he they, he's a friend, but I don't talk. agree with everything he, he says. He says they yeah. talk, sometimes I call him, sometimes he, call, he calls me, but I don't necessarily agree with everything he's, he So he could say, I don't know. he's just, his just own man. Just just based just based on who Tom Brady is uh, and his stature and his reputation 
and everybody knows all that. I, I, I almost view him as, as kind of a major sort of uh, model to, you know, to really indicate to us what, uh, what might happen. Because if a, if a guy like Tom Brady were to actually you know, start to say, okay, yes, I admit it. Yes, I, I like the guy. I support his policies. I mean, I don't, I don't really expect that to happen. But, but if it would happen, I, I think that would be sort of a, a, a real symbol that, that, that there is going to be a movement to a new level where people are kind of telling the tr- more of the truth about their political views. And who, who knows what kind of repercussions that will have in all of this. I'm not sure. All right. Great conversation, sir. Thank you very much, guys. We'll talk to you soon. Huh? It's the professor, Abby Goldberg. A little off the beaten track. It's sociology of sports every Wednesday night at this time. And Donald Trump does have some have some ties to sports even before this, ties so it to makes sports. sense. He's a he, he, he's friends with Tiger. The the boxing he he was big in boxing too at one point. Well, there's the wrestling. And wrestling. At one point, oh, if you man, go now, if you go now, and you look at uh, Donald Trump's personal um, Twitter account, because now he has two, right? Now he has POTUS. POTUS, yeah. And he still has. He still very rarely tweets from that Does one. Does he keep the old tweets? What's that? POTUS? Like, cause it, no, I would imagine. They uh, just the, they no, clean it, it out and be. then. Right. Okay. So he still mostly tweets from the, the Donald J. Trump account. But when he, up until when he became the president-elect, he only followed one person. And that was? Vince McMahon. That's the weirdest thing I've ever heard. Like, how is that your follow? Man. <laughs> that, that blew my mind just now, Elliot. That, man. He's got to have a sense of humor. Vince McMahon. That's somebody Vince I haven't McMahon. seen in a long time. Maybe because I stopped watching wrestling. Oh, but, you, come uh, on. He's in, just, he's, he's in all these memes. He's in all these... Uh... Oh, no, no, no. I remember <laughs> him, uh, Stone Cold, stunning him yeah. every uh, every week. It was the best I grew up on. Uh, yeah, but Stone McMahon Cold stunned Trump. <laughs> oh, I remember that. I remember that. Come on. I mean, I don't know any of this stuff, but it's all popping out of the woodwork now. Oh, that's the best. That's I mean, I, I, go, I go back to, you know, before the guy was the governor of Minnesota and he was on with with Vince McMahon every Saturday afternoon before baseball started I, I wasn't a wrestling fan per se but I, I love the broadcast it's hysterical this world Crazy. is getting out of hand I saw The oh, Apprentice no hand. I saw The Celebrity Apprentice <laughs> yeah I was on TV the other day I actually watched it because remember we made fun of it a little bit in the studio we were talking well not made fun of it but we were talking about how can he the news was saying, should he be able to run it or not, right? And they were, you were saying, how'd you not know it's Arnold Schwarzenegger? Yeah. I watched it. Oh, my God. It was just him him in the boardroom. He's talking German. Okay. He's talking. He's Austrian, yeah. He's talking with, with his people. They're just making fun of everybody. And then... It's not you're fired. You're terminated. You're terminated. <laughs> you're terminated. You're terminated. Get to the chopper. He's saying all these. I'm like, you gotta be kidding me. It's amazing. It's amazing. I gotta watch it again. <laughs> no, I'm lying. I'm lying about that part. But I had to end with that. I saw somebody today that was uh, <laughs> um, in charge of PR for that show, and it was exactly the same as the presidency. At one point, it was the top-rated show on television, but did not maintain that position. But Trump wanted it to still be called that, regardless of what the real numbers were. The man is obsessed with having the biggest numbers, regardless if that's true or not. I'm just saying. 
I'm sure when he looks down at the end of his arm, he sees the largest hands in the world. <laughs> <laughs> right. He's buying double XL oh, golf yeah. gloves. <laughs> if uh. the glove fits. <laughs> oh, God. All right, uh, we got soccer coming up. We'll talk to Gregory Caltabanis because you know what? I know, I know the season just ended, but the season is just beginning. These are crazy people. MLS right around the corner, and so is Caltabanis. Uh, we'll get an update uh, from Grant. This is Sportsnet Tonight. I'm Elliot Price. Time now for a Sportsnet Tonight sports update. Here's Grant Robinson. Habs with a night off tonight. They play their last game before the All-Star break tomorrow night against the Islanders. Brad Marchand will have a hearing tomorrow for his slew foot on Cromwell. Might be suspended. Uh, we don't know yet, but apparently that does not affect the All-Star game. If so, uh, Evgeny Malkin will miss tomorrow's Penguins game and the All-Star game as he is out with a lower body injury. Action tonight, Toronto, Detroit, Toronto uh, staying hot. They're up 4-0 in the third period. Austin Matthews, his 23rd goal of the year. Philadelphia, New York Rangers, wish I could give you an update on the goals. There still is none. Both goalies still perfect. Steve Mason and Henrik Lundqvist there. Vancouver, Colorado, just about to get underway. And with a win tonight, the Vancouver Canucks would be in a playoff spot. Not something you expected to hear a month ago. In the NBA, Raptors have lost a season-worst four games in a row, and they will be without DeMar DeRozan again tonight against the Grizzlies. They're tied 63-63 right now in the third quarter, so they're sticking in it. And the other the team they're chasing, the Cleveland Cavaliers, have reportedly refused a trade based around Carmelo Anthony for Kevin Love. Yeah, I would. I'm not sure. I, I don't I know why they offered that, that but I agree. They obviously need a big man. Uh, not You don't need another shooter like that. Your backcourt's fine. Uh, but Anthony. they've lost two straight. Uh, they're winning 103-100 in the final minute right now against Sacramento. LeBron James, triple-double, 24 points, 11 rebounds, and 11 assists. And that's your Sportsnet tonight, sports update. Gotta go, gotta go, gotta go to the pub. Ye old orchard pub. Gotta go, gotta go, gotta go to the pub. Ye old orchard pub. Baby, have a beer, man, you're probably sure. Yeah, the beer is cold and the food is good. I think all my friends in the neighborhood. Gotta go, gotta go. Gotta go, gotta go, gotta go to the pub. Ye old orchard pub. Now open on Salivary and Chattagay. New to the country? Via Rail and the Institute for Canadian Citizenship partner to give a gift to each Canadian citizen during their first year of citizenship. The Cultural Access Pass provides complimentary admission to more than 1,000 of Canada's cultural treasures from coast to coast to coast. The Cultural Access Pass creates opportunities for Canada's newest citizens to discover our rich cultural history, world-renowned artworks, historical figures, and stunning parks. Go to icc-icc.ca. A message from Via Rail Canada. Truck and Roll moves concerts, some big name bands all over North America. But Truck and Roll also serves some you've never heard of. Big and small, they take the same painstaking care. Trade shows, theater shows, concert events, experienced drivers ensuring timely delivery and professional service. Because the show must go on. And that can't happen if whatever you need to be there doesn't get there when you need it. Call Truck and Roll, 514-421-0045, on the net at truckandroll.com and on Facebook. Truck and Roll delivers on their promise and on time. 
There's a lot of moving parts. Call the experts to assure that your complex ground transportation logistics are handled by those who know what they're doing. Because every second counts. We cover Canada and the United States. Call Truck and Roll, 514-421-0045. On the net at truckandroll.com and on Facebook. You want a piece of me? Price. Well, you just mind your P's and Q's, buster. Let's rumble! And remember who you're dealing with. He's no David Suzuki, but he knows stuff. You're tuned in to Sportsnet Tonight with Elliot Price. Right here on 1280 AM, Montreal. Say goodnight to the bad guy. It's go time. Yes! You're gonna eat lightning, and you're gonna crap thunder. Uh, hard to believe that uh, didn't, didn't the championship game just get played? And now uh, the impact of getting ready for a new season. So your time is up, Caltabanas. Get back to work, buddy. <laughs> it's been a long 55 days. Is that Has it really been 55 days? It hasn't even been two months, man. 55 uh, days and they're back in action. That's, they're back training. I feel like that's longer. Getting on that grind yeah. 55 longer. days, it doesn't even feel like that long well, ago. I'm looking, I'm looking uh, what's today? Wait, you mean for the impact, 55 days, right? Not the final. Yeah, exactly. Okay, yeah, for the impact. Well, okay, okay, right, because it hasn't been like 40 days since we spoke. The last time I sent you a message was December 15th, okay? Wow. And it's only January 25th, so it hasn't been that long. That's crazy. Uh, is this, I mean, we also know that they took a break before, um the uh, the playoffs, but they didn't really like. No, there was no there was no MLS. Doesn't mean they took a break. Some guys had work to do. Is this enough of a break? I mean, uh, it's it's a grueling season in the MLS over time and 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 practice and games and and league cup and all of that. Um, are these guys do they wear down because of the schedule that the MLS has? Yeah, there's always the fear that you're going to overwork these players, especially with the CONCACAF championships that you mentioned, as well as the international tournaments. A lot of these players, especially the younger ones, play with the Canadian under-20, under-18 national team. So there's a lot of soccer to be played. Uh, then you look at guys like Andres Romero, who's coming off a long injury layoff. It's going to be interesting to see like how the congested schedule affects him. Uh, but overall, I do agree, it's a bit quick, but at the same time, the workload right now is a very light one. And they're going to ease them into it. So when it comes season time, they're more than ready to go. And the incredible depth that's needed uh, to get you through, because you mentioned it's 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 league play, it's cup play, and sometimes there's more than one game in a week. Sometimes it's one of those and one of those and one of those. And so guys can't play in every game. No, it's, it's uh, as we mentioned, come mid season, there's a lot of games in uh, quick. Quick question. However, at the same time, you're breaking up, uh, Gregory. You're, you're, oh. Yeah, move over somewhere. We we lost you for a second I'm, or two. Can you hear me now? Very well. Oh, cool. So, as I was mentioning, the international breaks does give these MLS players a momentary respite, uh, and that certainly helps them because uh, after call it four games in a row, they get two weeks off. And by off, I don't mean they don't do nothing. Uh, during those two weeks because they're still at the training sessions, but at the same time, it's very light work. Uh, but at the same time, Mauro Biello and his coaching staff will have a, an uphill battle here because seeing that the season starts or not even February, um, they have about a good eight months left of soccer to be played here. I, I got a question that 
again, we're going to get back to the impact, but this is, you brought up something right off the beginning, and Elliot kind of said it too, is it's a tough schedule in soccer, right? You're, you're playing almost year-round, there's not much break, and, and I don't know if you, if you saw this, it was about a week ago, but Marco Van Basten of FIFA made some suggestions on mm-hmm. rule changes in soccer. Yeah. Did you uh, now look? I'm not a huge soccer guy, right? I like watching it. I'm fine with it, but some of the the suggestions were. Uh, I'm just going to name a few, and, and I just want to hear from a soccer fan. You know what what you thought of it? What about the no offside rule that he tried to suggest? Played um, really plainly. I think if you eliminate offsides from the game, you're killing soccer. I would be too easy for players, especially at this level, to find the back of the net. Uh, one a little known fact about Taylor, the one of the greatest players, if not the greatest players of all time, he did get 1,200 goals. Uh, but he played in an era where offside was not a rule. So if you bring that back, I think you're just reverting to an outdated form of soccer. And overall, it's not a good idea. I saw some of his other suggestions, such as penalty shootouts, as breakaways, uh, quicker, quick, more substitutions. And the only one I could actually get on board with is adding an extra substitution if a game goes to extra time or if a player gets concussed. Uh, otherwise, I think Marco Van Basten, for as good as a player he was, uh, his soccer knowledge is a big one. It almost seemed like hockey, right? There was even the orange card sin bin, which isn't yellow or red. It's like you go off for 10 minutes. It gives the team kind of a power play. Uh, I agree with where you're coming from. Is That's not soccer, right? Well, if you love soccer, you love it yeah. the way it is, not, not that. Okay. It would be interesting, but at the same time, I really don't want to see it. <laughs> All right. Uh, let's talk about uh, the changes and the impact and... Uh, what makes them better or worse uh, when you're looking at uh, the players brought in as to the players that are not coming back this year? How do they look different? Do they look better or worse? So just off the bat, uh, the players who won't be there this year for the impact is Donny Toya. He got picked up by Atlanta United in the, in the expansion draft, and then he was dealt to Orlando. Then Johan Venegas went to Minnesota. Harry Ship and Becker are gone as well, as and obviously Didier Drogba. Uh, but they immediately replaced Toya with Duval from the Red Bulls, an experienced fullback. Um, I wouldn't. I think Toya is marginally better than him, but at the end of the day, it's not the end of the world. Uh, then you got Bledem Zemaili, the big addition from Bologna. He'll be their designated player. He'll come sometime around May and June. Uh, right now, he's on a goal-scoring tear, three goals in the last two games uh, in the Italian league, showing he could cut it at the highest level. Uh, otherwise, Andres Romero, I mentioned before, he was out last season all year with an injury. He was the type, it's easy to forget, but he was the size MVP in 2015. So if he could get back to that old form, uh, the impact will have one hell of a player on their hands. And as we saw over the last month or so, Bernier and Oduro resigned. So overall, I think it's more or less the same Montreal impact side that will go, be going into the season. They still need to add a depth piece in the midfield, but they should be in and around the top spots in the Eastern Conference and come playoff time. I expect them to be exactly where they were last season. You also have a coach in uh, Mauro Biello who's been through a bit of the fire uh, last year and uh, should come back, I mean, with, with more experience. I mean, he's a guy that has been learning on the job. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, as we saw last season in the playoffs, he did make some uh, naive mistakes, some rookie mistakes, but you would expect him to learn from that. Uh, during the season, I remember in his debut season, he did make a few mistakes, but he quickly corrected that, so I expect him to do the same come playoff time. Uh, he has proven to be a flexible manager, and he has proven to be a manager who doesn't back down from his decisions. He made the bold decision not to play Drogba uh, when there was that whole controversy. Uh, I know it was a tough decision for them to let go of uh, Johan Venegas and put all their chips in Andres Romero even after the injury. So uh, it looks like Bielo sticking with his guns, and I think he'll reap the rewards for it. 
Last year, incredible run. Uh, really captured the fan base in, in the city, really. You know, people that really even weren't Impact fans to start with really started paying attention. Uh, so, great story in that end. The tough part is now this season starts, and there's some real high expectations for this team. Uh, what do you think is is the goal this year for this team? Is it winning a championship? Is it playoffs? Obviously, you want to win a championship. I mean, what's the bare mm-hmm. minimum that this team you think is willing to accept? Well, if you hear the com- the comments the players are making, Oduro today said we have to s- we have something to finish here because they lost in the conference finals last year. So I think the players really want the MLS Cup this year. Is it a is it likely that they'll win the MLS Cup? I don't think so. I still think, like I mentioned, they're missing one or two pieces from it. Uh, but at the same time, you would expect the Montreal Impact uh, to reach the conference finals again. In the East, you have obviously Toronto FC, the New York Red Bulls, and New York City FC, which are in and around the top places. Uh, obviously, there, the season brings some surprises. Who knows about the New England Revolution, the Columbus Crew? Uh, however, that being said, the Impact on paper have one of the better sides in the East and one of the better sides in the MLS. So at the very least, you would expect them to hit the Eastern Conference Finals. And then, but come playoff time, like we know, anything could happen. So I guess a lot will depend as the season goes on. Will they sign a player? Does someone get injured? Uh, right now, I do predict them going, the, uh, going deep in the playoffs. Drogba's gone. Who are we watching? Uh, well, I think it's very simple. It's Matteo Mancoso. He's going to yeah. back at least 15 goals for the Montreal Impact this season. Just the pure goal-scoring mantle, he'll pick that up. Obviously, then you have Nacho Chiari. They managed to hold on to him despite the Boca Juniors and River played interest. For a moment there, it looked like he was going back home to Argentina. That would have been a devastating loss. Uh, even with Drogba in the lineup, I thought Chiari was the Impact's best player. So, obviously, we have to keep our eyes peeled on him. Oyongo, there's a lot of interest from European sides. He's another player that the Impact are desperately trying to hold, keep hold of, and it looks like they have. This is another player that has grown as the seasons have gone on and as, is a really essential part to uh, the yellow system. So these are players that definitely have to evolve. Then, of course, you've got uh, the two draft picks, Shamit Shom, Nick Dupuy. I don't expect them to be a part of the impact. It's more likely to be with the Ottawa Fury, but we still got to keep an eye on these guys nonetheless. With Gregory Caltabanas talking uh, impact as they get ready for another season, so the money that they pay Drogba, where does that money go? Well, right now they invested some of that money into Bledem Miley, the designated uh, player from Bologna. I do expect them to get another midfielder because, as we saw last playoff run, the depth was a bit lacking. Uh, they have been linked to Panayotis Kone. He, he himself has some Bologna links in the past, so that move may come to fruition in the coming months. That would really push them over the hill. So I think my gut's telling me that they'll invest in another midfielder because defensively they're pretty much set. Offensively, with, uh, as they re-signed Oduro, they're pretty much set. So I think they're going to get another midfielder. You mentioned just now Mancosu's the player to watch this year probably. Piatti is probably the best player in your opinion. But I know mm-hmm. following a team, right, the best player doesn't always mean your favorite. Everybody likes a different guy. Who's your favorite player on the team? As a goalie, <laughs> you guys won't be surprised by my answer here, but it's definitely Laurent Simon. Uh, even if a lot of the work he does is behind the scenes, cleaning up uh, defensively, making key interceptions, key blocks, it goes unnoticed, but uh, he's, that, he's easily my favorite player. He's obviously not as exciting as Nacho Chiari in the final third. <laughs> Clearly, he's a defender, uh, but he's just as important, if not more important. So definitely Simon. Great hearing your voice again. I mean, here we go. Looking forward to uh, talking to you uh, through the impact season. Thanks. Yeah, let's hope the same luck persists like last season. Yep, just a little bit more. Uh, Gregory 
Carl Tabanis uh, taking care of uh, the impact for us as we get ready to go. I mean, this is crazy, but here we go. No breaks. It's cold. It's cold. I wish outside. football was that quick. Cold for soccer. I wish football was this quick. You'd have no. I got to wait left. months for the draft. What is this? Your guys would all be senile by December. That's their problem, not mine. That's a lie. That's cold. That's that, a is, lie. that is cold, Grant. <laughs> Unbelievable. As I said off the top, you'll soon have no great players. They're all going to play baseball and basketball. As long as the ones Some on the Cowboys are better will, than the players on the others, I'm okay with it. But no, you're right. Some of them will play hockey. What you said is right. We, we probably already see it. We just don't know because these kids didn't go into football. It's only going to get worse. Montreal Canadiens with an impressive victory last night. And yet, and yet, uh, they had a sour taste in their mouth. We'll talk about that and hear from them. Coming up next, this is Sportsnet Tonight. I'm Elliot Price. You're listening to Sportsnet Tonight with Elliot Price. Fires it home for his seventh of the year. The Canadians strike first. Control lost it. And it's Katanzalei short-handed. And Byron going to the net. Scores! Thomas Placanitz picks up the turnover. Uses Byron as a decoy. Finds Weber across for Bolia. Over to Radulov. Scores! Alexander Radulov makes no mistake about that one. Under the crossbar and in his 11th of the year. And it's 3-0 Montreal. And that down. Mitchell's got it. Mitchell. Oh, up the Daniel Carr, back to Mitchell, the car scores! What a passing play, Daniel Carr finishes it. Akron is sticking away in the pass. Andrew Shaw tried to move it. Daniel up with Wideman. And out of the net, Radulov scores! That's a backhand shot for the ages. 5-0 Montreal. They'll fire it off the boards. Hamilton knocked it down. Dougie Hamilton waiting in front. Chance for Bennett scores. Sam Bennett puts it in and possibly a buzzer beater. And I think that went in with about one second left. And Sam Bennett may have spoiled the shutout bid for Carey Price. And he did. And that was the mood. As it turns out, I mean, here you are, you're up 5 nothing. it's a wonderful game, everything's good. Uh, Radulov with a great night, and Carey Price with a shutout, and then all of a sudden, Radulov is in the penalty box, and Shea Weber didn't clear the zone, and Carey Price lost his shutout. And now you're in the Canadiens' dressing room, and everybody's in the somewhat somber mood, even though they won the game 5-1, to one because Carey didn't get his shutout. Uh, that's just terrible for pricing, especially. I mean, you know, he's there for us game in, game out, and, and um, uh, I feel terrible. I mean, uh, we did a good job tonight with the penalty claim, but uh, yeah, that, that one second, it's, uh, it feels bad. Yeah, the win is important, and, and I thought in the third period we played really solid, and uh, we were good with the puck, we were good to defend. We took a penalty that uh, we shouldn't take, and uh, for sure, it's, it's, it's a great team win, but in the meantime, you want to win the position to uh, kind of give Kerry a, a shutout, and we put ourselves in a, in, in a tough position by taking that penalty. We really want to give this to Bryce, you know. I mean, like I said, you can't stop playing at the end, you know. Took a bad penalty, you know, cast the goal in the second, and 
he was there for us today and uh, you know he deserved the shutout and always it's, it's tough but like I said I'm gonna work on, on those things and make sure it's never happen again yeah for sure but you know at the end of the day it doesn't really matter that much um, I've never been a big statistics guy uh, we need the win more than anything so um, that's the way it goes and by the way uh, Carey Price picked up an assist last night so he got a point he was asked uh, about his assist he said well it wasn't like you know like one of the greatest assists and besides I'm, besides, I'm not a point guy so <laughs> he did he said that. Thomas Placanitz, what do we make about this uh, recent resurgence? Uh, nice goal. He'd been having just a terrible year. Terrible, terrible. To the point where it looks like he's not going to help you at all, you know, down the stretch and into the postseason. But, you know, it'd be terrible if you started believing that you could rely on him and then he goes back to being that guy that can't help you. But he had a good night last night, great shorthanded goal, and all of a sudden, after a stretch in which it was painful for the Montreal Canadiens, the penalty kill is starting to come around. I'm happy to have the team, uh, have the team to win some games, and uh, obviously over the years I spent a lot of time uh, killing up penalties, and, and uh, the result out of it, uh, you know, when you're getting some opportunities offensively as well, you, you, you score some, so obviously it's, I'm happy to have the team to win. Yeah, obviously we got lucky a little bit, they lost the puck, they, uh, uh, they, they misplayed that, that play, I, I had a chance to to uh, to change, and, and uh, we killed it off, so it was obviously, obviously we got a little bit of luck there, but uh, we'll take it. And what of Carey Price? Nice performance last night. And he is pretty good in a loss on Saturday. And so, is he back? Uh, yeah, I thought uh, I thought we played well. You know, just not uh, not just me. I thought I thought we all played pretty well tonight. But definitely feeling uh, more comfortable. Yeah, it's always great to play play well at home. Um, we're definitely comfortable playing here. Um, I thought everybody who had their legs were fresh. Um, not skating this morning, I think helps us. And you know, we uh, put together a pretty solid sixteen. Hey, Jimmy, settle down, baby. I'm doing the singing here now. You're dead. So? By the way, Cavs yep. down three now. Down three. Six I seconds see 115, left. Uh, They just hit oh, a three. Man. Now, look at this. It was 112-112. Okay. They're, They're in overtimes. Golden State's down by five. They both lost the last. I watched them play right. two nights ago. They both lost. I think it was, it was the uh, tenth time in, like, uh, several hundred days in which they've played on the same day. And, and they both lost at the this same time. It's going to happen this again. This be two in a row but, that but they do it. Cleveland's losing at home to 17-27 Sacramento. What's going on there? I, I, I understand. You. Look, uh, Cleveland's 
Uh, Chicago is uh, uh, San Antonio. One more. You got this. Golden State. There it is. Playing at Charlotte. Okay. And Charlotte is 15 and 8 at home, so okay. But Cleveland's playing a bad team, and they're losing at home. And and you've lost two in a row. And LeBron you want just to went bounce off. back, right? You want to bounce back. This is one I find it concerning. When you're in a bad place and you know you need a bounce back game and it doesn't work, those scare me. It's the second time the Cleveland uh, Cavaliers do this this right. year. Uh, what's going on in the National Hockey League tonight? Well, a whole lot of nothing. That's what's going on. Well, unless, of course, you're a Leafs fan. Because tonight, the Leafs have outscored the National Hockey League for nothing. So, Grant... Uh, take did it they? away. Did they? No, I, I hadn't paid attention. I guess I'll go take a look. Oh, you want me to do uh, this no, and you okay. can go look? That's okay. Okay, well, Austin that's what you Matthews, said you're going to do. 23rd goal of the year. He opens the scoring. Elliot mentioned this when I walked yeah. in. Uh, and, and they had just, he asked me the question and it looked like I was a genius, but the telecast had yeah. said it. In the other I room. asked you, how many times is yeah. he, because I know that he is leading the National Hockey League in scoring the first goal of a game. What is it now? 10. And then the amazing thing is, uh, it's like rookie of the year, right? You can only win it once. You can only score the first goal of a game once in a game. That's true, After yeah. that, no, seriously, the guy's got 23 goals. Ten have been the first in a game, but you can only do that once, right? After that, can you score the second goal in a game, being the first goal in a game again? It's the dumbest thing I ever said. So, Actually, it's not. <laughs> Which says something. Uh, so he opened the score. What does it say? <laughs> Roman Polak, James Van Riemsdyk, and Nikita Shoshnikov, sorry, uh, they had the other goals. Hunwick, Kadri, Zaitsev, and Marinson with the assists. Frederick Anderson, 22 state, uh, back 22 to state back, shutout. Baby. Exactly, Thank back you. to back, second straight. His third of the year passing Carey Price. Who, who didn't get one last <laughs> night because he got it scored upon with the second left. It all That's comes right. full, full circle. circle full yeah. circle. And uh, also, you mentioned Ooh. the silver lining for Price was adding an assist. Frederick Anderson had one as well tonight, wow. so there you go. Shout out and an assist. Yeah, take that, Carrie. And he, what, what as he that? holds up did his he heart a, did, trophy. He, did he get a penalty? That would be a Ron Hextall hat trick, right? Actually, you probably have to score a goal if it's Hextall. He almost had an injury, which was uh, scary. But Ooh, I uh, see uh, a guy I used to uh, watch a lot when he was a Montreal junior, Xavier Ouellette, did not have a good game tonight on for a whole bunch of goals. The Red Wings are not going to make the playoffs. We got one game where you can do. Oh look, Vancouver scored! Hey, Vancouver's. We have a goal, ladies and gentlemen. We have another goal in the National Hockey League. Sven Barchi has scored his twelfth of the year from Bo Horvat, who's having a really good year. And Lucas Pisa. I, like I, I cannot believe the Canucks. If they hold this, they're going to be in the playoffs after tonight. I swear you could have we said had the, whatever we had you everyone wanted. Fired there. If you said Grant, yeah. what's the team you're most sure will not be in Grant, the playoffs? What's the team you're most Vancouver. sure? Would... Well, not now. Now I know. Oh! I still actually Very say they confusing. won't make it. But man, that's you got to give them credit because you look at the talent there. The Sedins are ancient. I mean, they're playing well, but Louis Erickson hasn't done a thing really since signing there. They're, they're just getting contributions. It's happening, but. Not doing it very uh, impressively. 32nd point of the year for Bo Horvat. Wow. 14 goals, 18 assists. Is that it? My, uh, am I out of music there? Uh, Did my, my music Mason. die? Here you go. Here's another one. They're What's pitching that? shutouts right now. 28 saves right now yep. for Steve Mason. Henrik Lundqvist, 18. Uh, there's about 18 minutes left. That's a big game, Philly, uh, New York Rangers. Yep, it is. Uh, thanks to our guest for tonight. Uh, great talking lists. Top uh, 67 six, six, since 67, but we don't know the top 10 just yet. We had 11 to 67. Andrew Berkshire, what, what do you I don't like, like that year. 67? Uh, you should love that year. Growing up in Montreal, 
that's all that gets changed. Any argument I ever got into hockey-wise was always ended with 67. I hate to tell you, for the majority of my life, it was <laughs> 61. <laughs> so, okay. Fair enough. Uh, let's see. Uh, we talked to uh, the 25 power brokers in the National Hockey League. Great read. Go have a look on uh, sportsnet.ca where you can also find our podcast. That was with John Shannon. Uh, we talked uh, politics and sports with our uh, sports sociologist, the professor, Avi Goldberg. Goldberg. And uh, we also talked uh, soccer as we get ready for another season with Gregory Cultabatis. All right, uh, tomorrow night, uh, what do we have? Do you know what we have? Don't we have? Hurry, hurry, hurry hard. Uh, we have, because uh, we moved uh, Arp and Basu okay. for tomorrow night. Ryan Dixon uh, from Sportsnet. We have 12 seconds left. Who else do we have tomorrow night? We're going to talk uh, Toronto sports with Andrew Walker, who did that interview with uh, uh, Haley Wickenheiser and Marika Washtishin from Golf.com. And we're done. See you.